From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Well, yes, thank you very much, Mr. Rob Root. Mike with you. It is Mike Davidson Lives, podcast that I do uh, twice a week now. Thank you for dialing me up and listening. And, of course, I invite all comments, questions, and complaints after the podcast. If you want to privately message me or you know just publicly blast all over my Facebook page, you can do whatever. Uh, before I get into the nuts and bolts of this particular episode, kind of, kind of football-heavy, but uh, I, I do have some pretty good life points to bring up you know some pop culture things and some philosophical things uh, i said that uh, a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago uh, basically something cathartic happened something that uh, makes me feel a whole hell of a lot better mentally and emotionally i am going to delve into that a week from this podcast so in two episodes time i'll talk more about that um it, 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 the feeling is still cathartic. It still feels good. Uh, and it's probably the best I have felt in about a year. Um, and I don't mean to drag it out any longer, but uh, just, you know, I want to get my thoughts uh, all together before I just hammer them home on this particular thing. Not that I'm too half-assed about my thoughts anyway. Uh, recording this in the waning moments of September 11th, the 21st anniversary of uh, September 11th, 2001, and it's, I remember it like it was yesterday, which is weird, it really struck me today, because, you know, I'm 42, it happened 21 years ago, happened when I was in college, so, uh, half a lifetime ago for me now, is, uh, that horrible, tragic day where, you know, thousands of people died in New York, D.C., and, uh, that field out in Pennsylvania, uh, terrorism, man, it's just, it's brutal, and you, you have to understand how fragile freedom really is, but um, I remember it just like it was yesterday, and turning on that TV back at Ball State and just being just awestruck and terrified by this. Uh, my wife earlier this evening, she said she, um, I was on the phone talking with my dad, and by the way, happy belated birthday to my dad. Uh, he's 68. He turned 68 Friday. I was talking with him, but uh, as I was talking with him outside on the phone, she was trying to watch one of those documentaries, and they use like home video footage, I guess, of things as they were happening, and it gets a little, a little graphic to say the least. It's still a hard thing to, for people to process, and I totally get that, but uh, just uh, remember... Uh, how bad things can be and how you can't take for granted the good things you have in your life. Uh, and, of course, uh, the big historic thing that happened this week, R.I.P. Queen Elizabeth, long live the Queen. Uh, she passed away, age of 96. Uh, very good run, I would think, uh, for anybody to live that long. But uh, oldest, or longest-serving monarch, I believe, in British history. I mean, when we think about it, she was like 53, 54 when I was born. And she continued to live long and reign as uh, long as she did. And now her um, 73-year-old son, <laughs> uh, now he gets to be king as an old man himself. Or old potato. He does look like a potato. Um, but it was just like a days before her death, like two days before she died, she was greeting the new prime minister. Of England, she was, uh, you know, shaking her hand. 
uh, and uh, doing the, the meet and greet and the press things and everything. And uh, it really kind of shows the character of her. And granted, being royalty is not exactly hard work. It's not like you're going into the ground for 12 hours a day breaking rocks. Uh, bringing up cold, but I mean, even in her old age and uh, possibly failing health, uh, she was doing what she was supposed to do. And, I, and on the phone, I was talking about uh, talking with my dad, and he, um, he used to work for Rolls Royce down in Indy, which is a British British company, British based company. But uh, they they bought out the company that my dad worked for for pretty much all his life, his old his adult life. And my dad had a, a prayer. I want to ask, ask him to send that to me, but he had a prayer at his desk that uh, Queen Elizabeth would uh, recite during World War II. So if I can find that, maybe I'll post that on the Mike Davidson podcast page. But uh, yeah, our uh, uh, condolences to our uh, co- cousins across the pond. Uh, you know, a great long reign for uh, Queen Elizabeth there. Now, uh, I watched a lot of football this weekend, and I didn't... Ne- I mean, I want to watch football. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, uh, there were times I offered up the television to my wife. Uh, one instance, uh, she caught up on Married at First Sight. Well, it's okay. You know, that's that's uh, her show, and sometimes I'll watch that with her um, and make fun of the people on there. Uh, but I couldn't get her to go in on something that we have, which is Netflix. I couldn't get her to watch Morbius with me. Jared Leto's vampire flick that uh, did so well, it, it had a... Uh, Two theatrical runs this past year. Oh my god, that thing! It's gonna be uh, Morbius and Don't Worry Darling neck and neck at uh, the Razzies coming up in the spring, right? Uh, but it's on Netflix, and I couldn't get her to go in and watch it. I don't want to watch this by myself because uh, you, you need somebody to laugh at with this. You know, you need somebody to laugh along at Morbius, but. Apparently, it is Morbin Time on Netflix. It is the most streamed movie on that platform this past week. I guess people were like, well, you know, I'm already paying for the service. Why not see how bad it is? Or maybe, maybe it's one of those things kind of like uh, Blade Runner or Office Space or The Big Lebowski where uh, it just didn't find its audience first, but now has and has become a cult classic. I mean... Look out, Stranger Things. Jared Leto's Morbius is now an earner. So maybe that's a straight-to-streaming uh, platform type of thing uh, in the future for Morbius. Uh, but it's there. And uh, maybe, if I'm feeling up to it, I will eventually watch that piece of crap. Okay, so lots of football, like I said. Uh, Saturday, some pretty good college games. Uh Alabama barely survived Texas. That was that was an insane one. Uh, Florida upset down the swamp by Kentucky. I think Texas A&M fell. Oh, God. Notre Dame, 0-2, starting off the season, losing at home to Marshall. And uh, it's just not a good. I don't think their head coach is going to last the season. Of course, that was kind of a cluster to begin with because Brian Kelly uh, left uh, his dream job of Notre Dame for his uh, dream job down in LSU, so there was going to be some tumult, but for some odd reason at the beginning of the season, they said, okay, uh, Notre Dame's going to be fifth ranked in the country, and I'm like, no effing way. And I think I just saw before going on to the podcast here, moments ago, that uh, Notre Dame, after two weeks, unranked, unranked, 0-2, no longer in the uh, top 25. I think this is the first time since, uh, I want to say 2017? 
Yeah. So uh, a five-year run under Kelly, and uh, they're kind of unraveling. And, of course, I checked out uh, some NFL action. Uh, Colts and the Texans earlier today uh, tied in overtime, 20 apiece. Uh, that was a brutal game to sit through. Colts came back, tied it up, couldn't win in overtime. Texans couldn't do crap in overtime, so they tied. But uh, the Jags lost, and so did the Titans. So collectively, this week, uh, the AFC South is 0-2-2. Two, and two. And because the Colts and Texans tied, they are now tied for the lead in the AFC South. So after one game, the Colts are co-leaders of their division at 500. One game. Oh, man. <sighs> it's going to be a long season. But you know, I, I, I love watching football, and I was excited that uh, the NFL was kicking off this past Thursday. Uh, Rams and Bills, but man, that was a boondoggle for uh uh, for the Rams, they just uh, they looked out of sorts. Josh Allen picking up where he left off. Uh, the Bills look pretty damn impressive on the road. Uh, they might be the team to beat in the AFC South. I know it's like really early in the season, but I checked out that second half. I, I missed the first half, but I got home just in time for halftime. And uh, the much Bollywood uh, halftime show to kick it off was uh, Ozzy Osbourne on stage. Yeah, I think he had Zach Wild. And I say I think because after saying, yeah, Ozzy's going to be on uh, stage halftime, Los Angeles uh, for his new album, uh, Patient Number Nine, which dropped Friday. And it's uh, basically him, Zach Wild, Tony Iommi, Mike McCree from Pearl Jam. Uh, Jam's on a, a track, I think, and Eric Clapton. And who else? Uh, yeah, Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck for a couple tunes. So he's he's got some guitar guys definitely on this album. But they're hyping Ozzy being uh, at the halftime show. And you're wondering, well, how good is he going to be? Because he's been under uh, some some serious health stuff last couple of years. I know he's dealt with some MS and some back surgery. Is he going to be sharp? Couldn't tell you because they showed him singing nine seconds of a song and they cut away to. Uh, uh, the halftime football folks talking about uh, the game. And they're going to be doing that throughout the season. I mean, you, you think you can make a special concession. Oh, yeah, Ozzy's doing halftime. He's kind of a big deal. Why not just show him do his thing nationally? I mean, not every game is going to have a halftime, right? Um, but this, sadly, for us rock fans, has to shut us the F up when it comes to who's going to be playing Super Bowl halftime shows because it's not going to be a rock band from here on out. There is no rock band that the NFL A respects or B that can generate that much buzz. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne's a legend, right? He might be past his prime, but he's still a legend. Um, and I said, uh, I th I've said this before, uh, there are only a handful of rock bands that could do it. Uh, prior to Taylor Hawkins unfortunately passing away. Foo Fighters would have been one of them. Uh, Chili Peppers, maybe, you know, if their uh, instruments are plugged in, you too could do it again. Metallica, Nickelback. I've said that, yeah, as much as you hate Nickelback, they could do it. As much as I hate Imagine Dragons, they probably could. In fact, of uh, all the rock bands, I'm doing air quotes with Imagine Dragons here, uh, they would probably be the only one considered by the people at NFL and Pepsi. I think Pepsi does all the halftime stuff. Uh, but that's just how it is. Uh, rock gets no love. And I know you've got your favorite rock bands, and you think, well, you know, Ice Nine Kills could do this. Uh, 
No, they couldn't. Papa Roach could do this. No, no, they couldn't. No, no. There's nobody that can do a halftime show for the Super Bowl as big as you're thinking. They're, they're moving on. And it's kind of sad, too, because, like, you know, it was, it was like 10, 15 years ago, the likes of the Stones or Bruce Springsteen or Tom Petty have done halftime shows. And uh, I think that I didn't get a chance to see the Tom Petty one. Uh, but, uh, God, I think the hardest one for me to see anybody top would be Prince. And I could go on about that one, but uh, yeah, let's let's give it up on uh, on rock bands. Well, that's just not going to happen. And there was also a, a protester at this game that ran out on the field uh, protesting caged animals being tortured. I don't know the name of the uh, the organization. I just know that this person was running out with pink fog, and uh, it's obvious this person doesn't understand how tasty murder can be. So that that was that's pretty much it. And that and Josh Allen just looked pretty damn sharp um i do have this uh linked up on the mike davidson facebook page i thought that this was um a pretty interesting observation this is in the new york post and this guy was going on about uh overpaid nfl analysts uh you know making the big tony romo money and tony romo is a great football analyst he knows his stuff uh, you know, but it's gotten to the point where the guys that are calling the games are making buku bucks and maybe they don't have to. I say this on the eve of the first Monday night football game. Uh, it's going to be the, the Seahawks and the Broncos. Should be decent-ish, hopefully. A lot of the games are kind of weird uh, this, uh, this uh, past Sunday. Uh, but this will be the first one that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have called for. Uh, ESPN. They got lured away from Fox, and uh, Monday Night Football hasn't had really a good combo of announcers for a long time. I, I think the last time they had a pretty decent combo, maybe Mike Tirico was... Mike Tirico wasn't bad, uh, but great combo, I would say, like um, uh, Al Michaels and John Men before they were lured away to NBC. Um, but he's talking about how, like, you know, as good or as high paid as these guys are, nobody is tuning into the games for them. And he's right. You take the game away from them, and you just heard these guys talking in a room, you'd be like, well, what the hell, man? I need to see some action. I need to see the game. And I don't think he means it necessarily to shortchange um, these announcers. It's just he's, his point is that they're massively overpaid and I can tell you uh, I would rather as dry as Troy Aikman is he does know his stuff I would have taken him as a color commentator over Tiki Barber for the Colts Texans game today any day of the week Tiki Barber is terrible by the way um, but he, he just talks about how announcers try too hard and he kind of nails uh, Joe Buck on the head here a little bit you know, Joe Buck is a third-generation broadcaster. His grandfather did baseball. His dad did baseball. He did baseball. And, you know, he's got some experience, but he says that Joe tries too hard to make uh, catchphrases work and, you know, try, trying to be the announcer guy. And, you know, it does come off as pompous. But he says he's heard Joe Buck behind the scenes talking with people and he says, he says he's actually kind of a jovial guy, kind of a nice guy, and uh, very funny. And he just wishes that came more about during his broadcasts. And it got me thinking, uh, God, it was like a couple years ago, just laying on the couch watching a baseball game. 
think it was Cubs and Cardinals, and the Cardinals were getting blown out. And, you know, Joe Buck was doing the game for Fox. And he just starts kind of rattling off uh, what he knows. Because, you know, he, he did cut his teeth in the uh, St. Louis organization. So he knows a thing or three about the Cardinals. And he's just kind of rattling off uh, during the broadcast. The dude does know his stuff. Uh, but if he was just to kind of relax a little bit and be a little more uh, self-effacing and not give a damn about the hair plugs, I think he'd be all right. But yeah, it just yeah, they're getting a lot of money. And of course, uh, Tom Brady, whenever the hell he decides to retire, is going to make a bunch of money for Fox or with Fox. Uh, but if you want to read up on that, that's it's a, it's a pretty good observation, I think. Uh, kind of in touch with uh, what's kind of out of touch. Speaking of out of touch, uh, fashion magazines in politics. Because uh, as you know, we're like less than two months away from the midterms. Um, and it, it's anybody's guess as to how this is going to turn out because they thought there was going to be a red wave with Republicans. It seems like it's kind of stalled, but I don't think the Democrats are really uh, setting the world on fire. Well, setting hearts on fire, I should say. Um, but... Because of that, and because magazines and journalism has a political slant, and because they love fashionistas and celebrities and politicians and the like, they do uh, come up with these issues where they, they get some uh, fairly attractive women to pose in nightgowns, or not nightgowns, uh, evening gowns, you know, in nice dresses and talk politics and how they're so oppressed and how it's literally the handmaid's tale or whatever the hell. Um, uh, AOC, of course, she's in that DC bubble. She's uh, on the cover of GQ talking about politics. And uh, Jennifer Lawrence, she's got a new movie coming out, and uh, she's talking with, with Vogue about politics. And, and here's the thing, too. I mean, you know, you've got gas prices at uh, pretty high record levels right now. You've got inflation. you got something going on with the Ukraine uh, in terms of war. You got this EU-Russia standoff with fuel. You got uh, all all this stuff going on in the world, you know. And you're trying to make ends meet with your family. You know, me and the wife, we both work jobs. We, you know, we try to do what we can to pay the mortgage and all that stuff. And you you see these people dressing up in these fancy pieces of clothing that uh, would cost you a vehicle. Like it, like this stuff is insanely expensive. These looking glitzy and glammy and talking about what's good for you it does come off as a little condescending but this is not for you they talk about you but it's just to make themselves look good for people in the new york dc la bubbles okay and, and nobody reads gq or vogue anymore um i don't know if anybody reads any magazine anymore um, but with the uh the politics talk i guess you know with jennifer lawrence and her vogue uh interview She's talking about how it's made things hectic with her family because they don't see eye-to-eye -eye politically. She's become more liberal, and she became more liberal because she watched 30 Rock. That's that's how you make your, um, your, your philosophical, political, religious decisions, man. Uh, you, you pick a sitcom, and you go with what the writer's room tells you. Um, but, yeah, she's not getting along with her family, and I'm thinking this must be the first family ever where... Um, everyone disagrees on politics or something I, I yeah that's 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 uh the opportune time to throw your family under the bus is when uh, a magazine comes along well tell us about your family life and politics and just throw them under the bus say yeah there's friction 
That's going to make for a nice uh, Thanksgiving right there. By the way, can I uh, side rant here? Because I was thinking about this the other day. You know, with Thanksgiving dinner talk, they say the three topics you avoid. Politics, religion, and sex. Uh, you know, I can understand people kind of getting looped into whatever their political stance or their religious stance is. And then, oh, somebody says something you don't agree with at the table. And that kind of comes about. Uh, you should never talk about sex with anybody that you share a gene pool with. Okay? You know, maybe the talk with parents giving it to their kids. But at any other time, no. No. Okay. End of that rant. Um, but the, the Jennifer Lawrence thing that really, <laughs> I'm really dwelling on this. Um, but it's, it's funny because she's talking about how everything's messed up politically and how Tucker Carlson of all people gives her nightmares. And I, <laughs> I, either she's lying out of her ass and she's speaking in hyperbole or she's one of these people that will turn on cable news and see this person and freak out or know somebody in her circle that talks about them and freaks out and they just they talk about how they can't um, stand Tuck, uh, Tucker Carlson even though they don't watch him religiously it's kind of like uh, uh, the CNN business model with Brian Stetler when he was still over there uh, and I speak, you know and that's the thing too is like CNN I don't I don't think I like anybody over on CNN. I don't watch Fox News either. I'm not a big uh, cable news watcher. Uh, but I, I don't have nightmares about Don Lemon. I laugh at that dude. Uh, much like I did Stetler. Much like I did with uh, uh, the, the Chris Cuomo. I was about to call him Andrew, but uh, no, they're, they're both douchebags. I, I don't have nightmares about these people. I mock them. I laugh at them because that's what you're supposed to do. If you don't agree with somebody, if you think somebody's an idiot, you mock them. You laugh at them. Um, I, I think if I was Jennifer Lawrence or, you know, any of these actresses um, or actors, uh, guy or gal, doesn't matter. If I was any of these people, I don't know if I would have nightmares about Tucker Carlson. I think I'd be more inclined to have a nightmare where... I'm checking my smartphone or I'm flipping open my laptop and there's a picture of Jeffrey Tubin making faces. Uh, he too no longer at CNN, thank Jesus. I mean, that only took like a year or two, right? I, I just, I don't get people that get worked up about Fox News. And uh, when I get worked up about CNN, it's more of a rant. It's not that, oh my God, I better lock the doors or Anderson Cooper's going to get me. Uh, but uh, if you if you want to read up on the Jennifer Lawrence Vogue interview, you can. I'm not linking that up to the Mike Davidson Facebook page because I uh, frankly don't want to read it myself. I just I read the excerpts and that it was enough to make me roll my eyes. All right, uh, this kind of makes me roll my eyes uh, a little bit because uh, <laughs> you know Kanye West is a dude. Um, it really depends. Uh, it, it's kind of like. Uh, which way the wind blows. You're either going to like this dude or you're not. And he's got a lot of problems. I think we've pretty much made that clear. Kanye West uh, isn't dealing in the same plane of reality as a lot of us are. Um, but uh, he recently went, he himself went on a rant about how he didn't think Friends was funny. And now Courtney Cox is upset about it, even though she's made a buttload of money that uh, uh, Kanye West has insulted her precious sitcom uh, that 
no way in hell ever ripped off Seinfeld. You know, neurotic New Yorkers getting together and being selfish. I don't think he's necessarily wrong here. And when you have, um, I'm drawing a blank on this woman's name. She was one of the co-creators of uh, Friends. Uh, she was giving money, like uh, millions of dollars, because she she was upset that she didn't make the cast more diverse. And it's like, it doesn't really fix anything. The show's over. It's done with. It made you a bunch of money. Why feel guilty? Um, but, you know, after all of this, and <laughs> Courtney Cox is upset with Kanye West for not finding it funny. That in itself is funny. Um, I don't know. Like, I've, I've had people, I've had friends tell me uh, movies and shows that I like and love they don't, they don't find entertaining or interesting or they think they suck. Uh, do you... Do, I don't think I've ever dragged them on a podcast or on radio. I think I gave uh, Weston Lee... You know, when I... He wants to uh, get back on the podcast here because apparently he called Jaws boring and I have to take him to task on that. But, you know, like, he says he's never seen a Star Wars movie and he says he, says he never will. And, you know, I kind of gave him hell for that because, to me, you know, you... Growing up, it was, you know, the original Empire and Jedi. If he doesn't watch the prequels, if he doesn't watch the new sequels, if he doesn't... Uh, anything that Disney Plus has done outside the Mandalorian, that's fine. I don't care. But, you know, I don't say, well, Weston Lee sucks or he's wrong. Kanye West uh, says Friends is bad, and I don't necessarily disagree with him. I don't know why Courtney Cox is getting upset. She still gets paid. She still gets royalties. Well, who gives a shit what Kanye West says about your precious show, even if he is kind of right. By the way, uh, speaking of Mandalorian, I did see a teaser trailer for Season 3, which I think drops next year. And it does look incredible. Uh, I guess D23, Disney Expo, they show off all their Marvel and uh, Star Wars and Disney Princess stuff. Uh, but Mandalorian Season 3 looks uh, phenomenal, at least from what I can tell. Please... Don't effing suck. Um, no, uh, speaking of suck, tomorrow night is the Emmys. Do not watch, because I will not watch, but I will secretly be pulling for anything Better Call Saul related, especially Bob Odenkirk and uh, Reese Seahorn. Uh, both both phenomenal on that show, and uh, just, just one of the few shows that did get it right uh, in terms of uh, character development and series finale. And if you think it sucks, that's fine. It's just, you know, you're wrong. So, all right, with all that said and done, enjoy. Till next time, stay fresh, cheese man. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 